I want to welcome you to the first week of our Beyond Limits class. And so this is a, uh, a class called A Scriptural Journey into Embracing Supernatural Possibility. And I'm very, very passionate about the scriptures, but I'm also very passionate about the Lord and supernatural possibility. And I'm also even more passionate about seeing the Lord move in people's lives. And uh, I was telling Kim last night, she was asking if I was ready for the class. And, you know, I I've just, I struggle kind of like every other human being with fear of man and those different kinds of things. And I said, you know, I just realized that the Lord uh, you know, what if he uses this to really uh, shift the, tra the trajectory of some lives? What if he uses this class to really crack people's hearts and minds wide open to what is actually possible uh, in relationship with him? And so that's what this class is going to be all about. And so um, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Jason Villanueva, and I'm part of a ministry here in Wichita, Kansas, in the heart of the nation. Uh, and the ministry is called The Source Wichita. And uh, you can find out more about our ministry and everything we do at thesourcewichita.com. But I am, um, I would say, a teacher uh, by the grace of God. And um, he's allowed me to be able to teach in multiple capacities over just the course of my uh, following him. And it's been really amazing to see the journey that I've been on. And so uh, you heard me talking back and forth with Christine Smith. She's on the call. And so I basically met with her. Uh, we were on a road trip to Texas a couple of months ago, and I said, you know, I really feel like the Lord's leading me to kind of teach um, on supernatural possibility. And uh, we talked about that, and um, we feel like this is a really great foundational class for Christine's Intro to Engaging Heaven class. And so she teaches that, and that goes for six weeks. And so this four-week class will happen um, between her classes. So she ends a six-week class, I'll start the four-week class, and then she'll start the six-week class again. And again, you can find more about um, some of those ministries at thesourcewichita.com. So um, to not spend too much time on that, we'll, uh, we'll focus on the Lord in prayer, and then I'll dive into uh, week one for you guys. So let's, uh, let's focus on the Father. So Lord, you're so good, and we're always grateful for who you are and that you invite us into deep, intimate relationship with you. We thank you that you've called us by name. You know us. You know us deeply and intimately, and you want us to know you the same way. And so, Father, I pray for your spirit tonight to speak and to move. I pray for your word to go forth, the rhema word, the living word from the mouth of the living God, still speaking, still moving, still doing wonders and miracles, still creating, still um, setting captives free. You're still calling the lost and the oppressed to you. And we thank you for that work and that we get to partner in it. And so we thank you that we're just ready to hear from you, whatever you want to say or do tonight. And so it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So real quick, uh, before we get started, uh, I believe there's a hand raise uh, feature. And so if you guys have a question, you can raise your hand and I'll get to you. But uh, a lot of people will go ahead and put comments and questions in the chat um, as I'm teaching. So what I'll do is I'll teach for about, oh, uh, 40, 45 minutes. I'm going to try and get it within that that time frame. And then um, 
we'll uh, we'll have a time for Q&A. But you guys feel free to chime in through the chat box and we'll get to that towards the end of the teaching. And so again, I've prepared a PDF for you so you can follow along. I'm going to read some of these scriptures. And um, again, I hope you guys will uh, ask questions and jump in on the chat. So real quick, I want to talk just a little bit about uh, my journey into embracing supernatural possibility. I, I'm saying that phrase because I've said it a lot of times, but you know, what do I really mean about embracing supernatural possibility? Well, you know, I, I, I feel like um, through the course of my life, I really allowed uh, religion and law to get a hold of me. And I put myself inside of a box and I was, Christianity to me was more about what I couldn't do than what I could do, right? And that's what this is all about is the Lord kind of breaking stuff off of us that maybe has been put on us um, throughout the, the, the course of our relationship with him. And if you've grown up in church, a lot of us know that um, sometimes we have to unlearn just as much as we, we have to learn moving forward in our relationship with him. And so that's kind of where I'm at um, over the course of the past two years. The Lord really started challenging me, and I felt myself challenged by the faith of others around me, and specifically Christine and uh, and my wife, Kim, and some other people um, in our circle, and just their faith in the Lord and their relationship and their intimacy and the things that they're experiencing with the Father and um, literally supernatural things happening, them traveling and seeing the Lord doing all kinds of amazing things. And uh, I, I mean, I wish I had time to talk about some of those things. I know Christine gets excited to talk about some of that stuff too, but um, really challenged my thought process. And my first inclination when people say that they have some sort of experience with, with the Father, with, with Jesus, uh, my first inclination is to always ask, where is that in Scripture? And uh, I've been using the Scripture kind of as a fence to say, okay, here are all the things that are possible um, based on what scripture has shown us, like here's our God and then here's a box and let's put them in there based on what scripture has to say. And I'm not throwing scripture out the window. We're actually, we're taking a journey through scripture to talk about what is possible. And I believe that as we study the scriptures and we look at the entirety of the narrative from, um, from front to back, and we look at the way that Yahweh has interacted with people over the course of time, I think that actually, um, expands and takes away boundaries and shows us that there is truly a, a, a limitless God. He goes beyond limits. He goes beyond any limits that we've ever placed on him um, by our religion or by uh, whatever doctrines or whatever it is we think that we've come up with that, that we're right 100% of the time about. And so I've just been in this place and I feel like as I've, I've, move forward in um, embracing possibility um, using the scripture you know here i am to kind of share some of that journey with you and so each week will um, kind of build on the next week and so today we're primarily going to be talking about the lord intervening so a spirit right the lord is spirit where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom for the lord is spirit and um, this invisible god decides that he wants to uh, create and then he creates man, and then he begins to reveal himself to man over the course of time. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But one thing I want to talk about um, before we get um, before we get going is this phrase: taking the shackles off of our mind and breaking loose from religion and traditional dogma. So when I'm talking about religion, I'm talking about uh, works-based, rigid kind of 
Pharisee, Sadducee, scribe, religious zealot kind of um, religion. And uh, coupling that with dogma, and so real quick, uh, dogma is a principle or a set of principles laid down by an authority as incontrovertibly true. And so, you know, there are people who've done the study and they've studied history and they've, they say, you know, I'm the scholar and I've done all of this and I've done the work and I've exegeted and, and here are all of the things that are right and true about scripture. And then they claim religious and spiritual and biblical authority. And then they teach you that and they say, there's no other way. And we know that that doesn't always turn out well. <laughs> um, so Sometimes it's good, uh, I suppose, if if the Lord um, is, I don't know, I, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but um, just trying to trying to look at maybe some of the dogmas and some of the religion that's been caked on us over time, and then journeying through this scripture together to kind of figure out, okay, it really where we want to end is that the Lord can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to whoever he wants however, whenever, like just, he has all freedom and reign and rule to do what he desires. And it's all according to his will, his perfect plan. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that in one of these coming classes. But um, let's start here in Ephesians three sixteen through 21. And so this is from the Tree of Life version, which is one of my favorite versions of scripture. But let me read this to you. It says, I pray that his glorious riches, from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his ruach or his spirit, his breath, his wind, so that Messiah, Christ Jesus, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Right? So just first off, Paul is praying for the Ephesians and he's writing out his prayer and he's saying, look, I want you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through the spirit. And so just right out of the gate, right off the bat, this is a spiritual situation. And so if it's spiritual, if it's a spiritual relationship, it's strength through a spirit. If it's inside of us, spirit, well, then it's a supernatural occurrence, right? Because it's not anything that we can conjure or make happen through the physical. It's God's work by his ruach, by his breath, his word, his spirit, his presence in us and through us. And so he says, I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to grasp with all the Kedoshim or the holy ones, all the people of God, what is the width and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Messiah with, which surpasses knowledge. So there's a width, a height and a depth. And so you would think that we were making a box, right? A width, a height, a depth, a box. But then he says the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge. So He's talking about how there is a place beyond anything that we can truly comprehend with our physical brains, right? There's a love that's so deep and so wonderful and so massive and so great that it goes beyond that. So there's no boxing him in. There's no limiting this thing, right? And then it says, so you may be filled up with the fullness of God. I heard somebody say one time that if I'm going to grasp the width, the length, the height, and the depth of the love that Christ has for me, then I need to give up my right to understand it. <laughs> you know, there's a peace that passes all understanding. And so we have to give up our right to understand it and truly just receive and accept it. If we try and wrap our mind around it, we're going to do ourselves a disservice. And so again, we're going beyond the physical into the spiritual 
into the supernatural to be able to experience this love and this relationship with the Father. So here's one of my favorite scriptures uh, in all of, of the Bible canon because it says that with anything that we've tried to use to limit God, there are no limits. Even if we've tried to use the Bible to limit God, those very scriptures tell us that we have a God who's limitless. And here's where it is. Now to him who's able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine by means of his power that works in us. Another, another interpretation says by means of his spirit at work in us. And to him be the glory in the community of believers and Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let it be so, right? So to him who's able to do far beyond we can ask or imagine. And so I like to phrase it this way. The moment that we craft a statement, the moment that we conceive a request or an idea of Yahweh, creator God, our father in heaven, the moment that we craft that statement about him or we craft a, a thing to ask of him, we've already limited him with what he can do. Right. Have you ever heard somebody tell you, like, I've heard this sermon before and I probably preached it at some point in time, pray big prayers. Right. And then they they talk about your your BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. I don't know if you've ever heard of those before, but they say, think of the wildest, craziest thing you can think of and start praying those big prayers to God. And somehow we're supposed to conjure up some sort of scenario that's the biggest that we can think of and then begin to pray into that. And as soon as we've done that, we've still already limited what Yahweh is capable of in us and through us and around us and in this earth, in this world, um, because he can do far more beyond all that we can ask or we can imagine. So let's just think about for, for a moment. If I were to say, okay, I'm going to think the biggest I can about Yahweh and what he's capable of. Okay, now let me just go a little bit beyond that. Okay, let me think just a little bit harder. Let me imagine harder. <laughs> let me imagine bigger. Let me ask bigger. Let me ask harder. And we start asking for all of these things. And it's not that the Lord's not going to answer those things, but what Scripture's telling us is he's capable of far beyond that. Right? And so this is where we start to talk about going beyond limits. And over time, because of our relationships, because of our experiences, maybe because of our church upbringing, maybe because uh, of our own immaturity or our own flaws or whatever it may be, we've, we've come up with an idea of God. And I believe that, I mean, this is what he does in relationship with us is he takes us on a journey and we are in process and, and day by day, minute by minute, the more that we continue in relationship with him, the more he's beginning to break pieces of who we thought he was off of us. And he's re continually revealing himself uh, to us as he truly is. I mean, this is what Jesus did when he came and he walked the face of the earth. He began to correct misconceptions that people had about who God was. Because we had the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the religious system, that all of that law and all of those things that had been instituted over time. And Jesus would say things like, for you've heard it said, but I say. And so he would take what was commonly understood in the society and in, in the Jewish tradition and religion, according to the law. And then he would, he would state that and say, here's the limit. And then he would give 
a new teaching or a new understanding or a new bit of wisdom or new depth and understanding to what the law had previously said. And so he was expanding people's minds, telling them it goes deeper and it goes wider. And it just continues on and on and on. And so he began to correct uh, lovingly through grace and mercy and relationship and intimacy and conversation and presence and experience. He is um, expanding people's understanding of who he is. And so this is just what I hope is going to happen during this time. And, and I hope that the Lord's already working in your heart to kind of build faith and, and showing you, yeah, that there's just, there's more to him. It goes deeper and it goes deeper and it goes deeper. And so that's what this is all about. He's able to do far more than we can ever think or imagine. And so anytime somebody says like, like, hey, I experienced this thing or I saw this miracle or whatever it is. And we that thing inside of us is like, well, you know, we maybe we're a critic. Maybe you're not like me. Maybe you just automatically rejoice with your per the person. You're like, hey, amen. Um, but I, I've had to have the Lord really work on my heart in that regard and submit that stuff to him and say, OK, Lord, you show me what's possible. You show me. And so anyways, um, really. Uh, appreciate that scripture in a whole new way to him who's able to do far more than we can ever ask or imagine. And I just pray that he would lead us and ex expand our minds uh, by the spirit in us to, to show us that there's more, there's a bigger faith, a greater faith uh, to walk in and it's his work in us by his spirit. So uh, I want to kind of take a step back at this point in time and, and go back to the creation story in Genesis chapter one and we're going to look at verse 1 through 5. And I've come to really love Genesis over time. It's so deep. Uh, it, it, there's so much richness and depth into some of this stuff if uh, you really do the study and allow the Lord to kind of open your, your heart towards it. And so let me read here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. So it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was chaos, or without form, and waste or void and empty and darkness was on the surface of the deep and the Ruach Elohim or the spirit of God was hovering upon the surface of the water. So again, we go back to the very beginning of the scriptures and it's talking about how there's this spirit of God and he's hovering over the face of the deep, the darkness. It was void. It was empty. It was, it was without form and it was a little chaotic, right? And so the spirit of God's hovering over the surface of the water. So right out of the gate, we have this supernatural spirit situation, right? They're really the only, the only thing physical in this, uh, in the scriptures is the earth, right? Everything else is spirit, the heavens and, uh, and Yahweh. And so then God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw the light was good. So he distinguished the light from darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and there was morning and there was one day. And so kind of what I want to talk about here is going to set the foundation for, I believe, everything that we see happening in scripture. Um, when we get the creation story and then when we once we start to get narrative about these different Bible characters, it's the same principle happening all the way through the scripture. And then we see the same principle happen with Christ and uh, and his followers when he comes. And it's what's continuing to happen to this very day. Um, so the spirit of God, he's hovering uh, over the earth, and it says the earth was chaos. Now, I don't know if you've ever read this translation or really looked at that word um, where it talks about without form. 
but it means chaotic. And so what that is, is an empty chaos. And so when the Lord sees the emptiness, he sees chaos and our God is a God of order, right? And so he sees this opportunity to insert himself into this situation and make something out of nothing, right? So the earth was chaotic and it was waste. It was void. It was empty. And so without having a form, it meant it had no purpose. It served no purpose. It's like a lump of clay, but then the potter sees it and he forms it into something. So the lump of clay is without form. And then he forms it and gives it purpose and it becomes a vessel. And we know in scripture it talks about he makes some vessels for, for noble use and those kinds of things. And so um, this is what the Lord is doing. He sees this, this empty place and he says, it's an empty place and I want to fill it. And as I fill it, I give it purpose. Amen. Are you getting excited about that? I get excited about that because that's what the Lord does in our life, right? We're empty. We have no purpose without him. And then he fills us and gives us purpose and he invites us to be a part of his kingdom, right? So this is, this is what happens. This is what happens with Adam and Eve. God creates Adam out of the dust of the earth and he forms him. And then he breathes into him, his ruach, his breath. And then Adam has life. And then he gives him Eve to be his companion helper and also to properly have a complete image of God in man and woman, right? Let us make man in our image. So having man and having woman, he brings about a complete image of himself to live and breathe and have purpose and rule and reign over the earth, right? So he takes this empty vessel, Adam, he breathes word, he breathes his breath, his Ruach into his body. He becomes a living being. And then Adam and Eve get a mandate and their mandate is to go and multiply and subdue the earth and, and they get all kinds of orders from Yahweh. And so that in and of itself is kind of the, uh, the foundation of what we see within narrative. Because all throughout the scripture, we're going to see God calling people and then filling them, giving them his spirit, his power, his presence, and then sending them forth in the earth to fulfill his will. Right. And so I get really excited um, about that because I know that at one point I was lost and I know that the Lord, uh, he met me, he filled me, he called me and then he gave me purpose. But real quick, just this one part in verse three where it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Um, and so there was no light. There was emptiness. There was an earth without purpose. It was void. It was dark. And then by the word from the mouth of God. His ruach, his breath, his word goes forth and then brings about this light. So the Lord sees nothing, right? There's no light. And then he breathes his word and then light happens. And so if we think about that, we can go back to John chapter one, where it says in the beginning was the word. The word was uh, God. The word was with God. And then that word became flesh. And then it dwelt among us. And that word that man was the light of man. And so in Genesis, we see the Lord bringing light into the darkness. And then in John chapter one, we see the Lord bringing light Christ into the darkness. And it says that the darkness has not overcome it. So there's a really amazing parallel there between Genesis one and John chapter one. But this idea that Yahweh 
our Father, Creator God, He speaks by His Word and He creates and He makes things happen. And where there was nothing, there then becomes something. And as He interacts with that creation, He fills it and He gives it purpose. And so we see that in the very beginning of the scriptures, and I think that we can kind of assess from that point forward that he's going to do that with a lot of other people in the scripture, and that he's still doing it with us. So Jesus comes, and there's a point to where he looks at his disciples, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And he fills them with his presence and then in the, the Great Commission, he then says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? And surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. His presence, his spirit, his person, his being, Emmanuel, God with us, is going to journey with us throughout the rest of our days as he's in us and working through us, as he's invited us into relationship with him and then made us a part of his plan and his purpose. And so again, this is kind of all foundational um, as we're going to move into week two, three, and four, and it kind of all plays together. But what I want to do right now is I want to take a moment and um, I want to talk about God's track record of revealing himself to mankind. And we're going to see kind of how he does that and then how man responds and how maybe we can play into that. Uh, or we can partner with what he wants to do. So we're going to talk about God. Um, revealing himself to Abraham, to Moses, to Samuel, to Isaiah, and then finally uh, Jesus revealing himself to Saul. So I'm just going to kind of run through some of these uh, these stories. We're not going to read them uh, verbatim every time, but I kind of just want to set a precedence. And so this is a big part of what this scriptural journey is doing for us, is that I believe that the Lord shows us through all of these narratives over millennia he's been revealing himself to man and what i believe is happening is he's setting a trajectory he's showing us his attributes he's showing us how he's chosen to work in the past and that being a little bit of a um a peek into how he's going to work in the future right like he's setting the trajectory and so I believe, right, so we, we we read scripture and we open the cover and we read through and then we read the last page and then we shut it. And I believe rather than, than the shut book being the end all say all of what is possible and everything that God has ever done, we know that's not true, right? Because um, Paul talked to the Corinthians. He said, you yourselves are living epistles. He says, you are living letters. And your, your lives are being written as a testimony of the work that God is doing. And we're st there's people now filled with the Spirit of God. We're living, we're breathing, we're moving, we're acting according to His Spirit at work within us. And we too are living epistles as a testimony and a witness of the continued work of God. And so, again, just kind of this idea of like the entirety of the narrative of Scripture kind of setting precedence for how God works and what he can do. And again, I think that the precedence that is set is that there are no truly no limits um, to what he can do, um, obviously within his character and his attributes, right? So uh, I heard somebody say one time, you know, it's that whole stump a Christian statement where it says, you know, if God is so big and so powerful, could he build an object so big that he himself couldn't move it? And they try and stump you with this this paradox. And it's just like, well, Nothing in God's character and attributes would ever say that he would 
make an object that he can never move. So, you know, it just, it kind of doesn't really line up. So I think that's kind of a fallacy in, in and of itself. But let's look at uh, God revealing himself to Abraham. So Adonai says to Abram, get out of your land and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. My heart's desire is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great so that you may be a blessing. My desire is to bless those who bless you, but whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So just a couple of principles I want to pull out right here. So Yahweh says to Abram, so just understand that there's nothing in the scripture that talks about why God chose Abram. There are some teachings that kind of talk about that, but if we're just doing a, a look at Scripture and saying, well, why did God choose him? Well, number one, I would just conclude that God had a plan, right? God had a will. He has a will. He has a plan. He has desires, and he invites man to be a part of that plan. And so that's, that's part of this whole situation is that God is always going to invite us into relationship, um, and he's always going to have a will. He's always going to have a purpose. He's always going to have a plan. And so we see that uh, God calls Abram to to up and move and take his family and move and go to a place that he'll show him. So right out of the gate, it's an act of obedience that's going to require faith. But it's also going to require relationship because he says the land that I will show you. So there's going to be a continued involvement of God in the life of Abraham as he journeys in fulfilling the will of God for him. So there's never a... Hey, Jason, I want you to do this. And then God is silent, right? And he kicks back and starts playing video games. And I'm supposed to just go somewhere and figure something out, right? His spirit's with me. He's communicating. He's showing me things. He's leading and guiding me. I discern. I pray. I communicate. I focus. I see what he has has for me. I hear what he has for me. Those kinds of things. There's that continued relationship. But what I love about this scripture right here in uh, verse 3, it says, My desire is, right? In verse two, my heart's desire is. So what we get is this amazing phrase in scripture. I think sometimes we really overlook that the heart of God is for us and that it's from the heart of God, from that place of love, for God is love. It's from that place of love, that place of desired intimacy and relationship with us. He has a heart's desire for us and each and every one of us, not just me, not just the guy next door, not just the pastor on stage, but everybody, everybody has a purpose and he wants to have relationship with everyone. <clears throat> so I just love that my heart's desire is, and so I just kind of want to throw that out there. Like, have we ever truly sought the father over his heart's desire for us? Have we ever said, you know, Lord, you've revealed yourself to me. I'm in relationship with you. You created me. You filled me with your spirit and I'm here and I'm saved, right? I'm a disciple of, of Jesus. I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm in process um, in this life. I'm progressing in my maturity and my obedience, my understanding of sonship. But have we ever really just tapped into the heart of Yahweh for us? Um, and so I would encourage us to do that. So God reveals himself to Abram. He says, I have a plan. He says, I'm going to be with you. It's going to be a relationship, but there's going to be will that follows. And so that's example number one. Let's look at example number two, God to Moses. So Exodus 3, 1 through 10. 
Um, Moses attended the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. So he led the flock to the furthest end of the wilderness, coming to the mountain of God, Horeb. Then the angel of Adonai appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. So let's just talk about supernatural possibility, right? So what what is possible? And let me just tell you that there was a time in my life where I was so hungry for the Lord. Um, I, I was talking to him one day. I was out in nature. I was like in the middle of a forest and there are trees everywhere. And I'm so many miles from civilization. And um, I'm looking around and like there's no people. There's just like leaves and grass and trees and the wind and the sky, the clouds. And there's, I'm just surrounded by nature. And I said, you know, Lord, I said, I want to know the God that would reveal himself to me right here where I am. I want to know that God. And I thought about this Moses and the Moses in the burning bush. I almost said Moshe because that's his Hebrew name, Moshe, Moses in the burning bush. He's in the middle of nowhere. He's out in the wilderness. He's tending the flock. He's going about a normal day. He's not near a priest or a, a role of scripture, right? He's not at a revival service. He hasn't been in 14 hours of prayer and intercession. He hasn't been worshiping to... Bethel for three hours, and then the Lord shows up. He's just a man going about his business, and the Lord Yahweh right there, boom, burning bush, supernatural manifestation of the invisible God, a flame of fire in a bush, and it's not consuming it. So let's talk about like Yahweh being able to interact with the physical um, as a spirit, spiritual, supernatural, invisible being. So, I mean, just right there. That should be like, right? I mean, this is what's happening. And so uh, Moses thinks to himself, I will go now and see this great sight. Why is this bush not burnt? So he notices there's something odd in the physical, right? He's saying there, this is something worth looking at. This is something worth looking into. And so when Adonai saw that, he turned to look. He called to him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And so he, Moses, answered Hineni. And so this, this phrase, Hineni, why I like this tree of life version of the scripture is because it keeps certain Hebrew words that have a kind of a deeper meaning and a greater meaning to them. And it causes me to actually go and look up the meaning of these words using the interlinear Bible at uh, biblehub.com. I love that, that website. And so that's kind of what I used to study. So I looked up this word Hineni. And it literally just means, here I am. It means, here I am. So Moses presents himself. And it's not just a like, hey, it's me. It's literally kind of like a standing at attention. Um, if, you've ever, uh, if you've ever been a student, which you probably have, teachers would often say, I need everybody's undivided attention. <laughs> and we all have to like sit up and look straight. And you're like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And so it was kind of like that. You know, that undivided attention, here I am, focus, like, you know, he's saying something's going on here. This is a, an unnatural occurrence. And so I'm here, I'm present, I'm aware, I'm focused, eyes, you know, attentive, ears, heart, soul, mind, body, I'm here, I'm present. And honestly, this is just a beautiful image of how we should present ourselves to the Father each and every time we move into prayer or we move into focusing on focusing on Him. Hanani, here I am, Lord, here I am. And so He positioned Himself; He was poised to hear what um, God had to say to Him.
So then he says, come, clo uh, come no closer, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Um, he says, moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there's a revealing of the invisible God to Moses. And so Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look to God. And so we know that it goes on to say that um, the, the Lord said, so I've chosen you. I've heard the cry of my people. There's an issue in the earth, and I have a heart to take those people who've cried out to me and to respond to their cry and to rescue them from the hand of Pharaoh, to rescue them from oppression, to rescue them from captivity, to show them who I am, to be with them and to take them into, um, into the promised land. And so he says, Moses, I have a plan and you're part of that plan. And so where you were just going about your daily business, you were just doing whatever you wanted. I showed up and I'm now revealing myself to you and I'm telling you my heart's desire and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. It's the same thing that happened to Moses or excuse me, Abraham. It's the same thing that's happening to Moses real quick. God to Samuel for Samuel three, one through 11. So the Lord speaks to Samuel and I'm just going to kind of, um, uh, what's the word? Summarize, excuse me, summarize this story. So we have Samuel. Um, he's under the service of Eli, who was a priest. And it says that the word of Adonai was rare. There's no visions breaking through. So here's what happens. I remember this this story very clearly from when I was a child. So Eli hears his name, or excuse me, um, Samuel hears his name, and it's God calling Samuel. And so he gets up and he goes to Eli. He's like, hey, you called my name. What do you want? And Eli's like, that wasn't me. So this happens multiple times. And finally, Eli has the wisdom to say, hey, guess what, Samuel? I actually think that's the Lord calling to you. So Eli, or excuse me, Samuel hadn't been trained to listen for the voice of God. So when he heard it, he didn't recognize it. He thought it was somebody else. And so Eli in his wisdom says, hey, next time that you hear your, your, your name, say, here I am, Lord, Hanani, here I am. Your servant is listening. So Verse 10, Adonai came and stood and called at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. And so this attitude again of Hanani, here I am, speak, your servant's listening. I believe we can have these interactions with, with the father. I don't think there's just one way that he reveals himself to us. Moses got a burning bush. Abram got a word from the Lord just out of nowhere. And Samuel's laying in bed, going to sleep, and the Lord comes to speak to him. The Lord is going to reveal himself to people however he wants, whenever he wants, by spirit, by his word, by his breath. Just in the same way he said, let there be light, and his word went forth. And then he made purpose and filled the void. He's doing that with people over and over and over again. And so can we have that heart position to say, here I am, speak, your servant's listening. And would we truly believe that he is speaking? Now, I understand that we could read scripture and scripture, it holds a near and dear place and a heavy place in my heart. It's very weighty, it is. But let me just tell you that I believe that the voice of the Lord is still going forth in such a way that he's calling people to do things and calling people into relationship uh, with him. And it's happening in supernatural ways. So uh, two more instances, God to Isaiah, 
Isaiah 6, 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then he said, here I am, or Hanani, send me. So Isaiah gets a vision. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw a vision. I saw the Lord seated on his throne, high and lifted up. And the angels are singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And there was rumblings and thunder and lightning. And the room shook, right? And he's... Isaiah doesn't see a burning bush. He doesn't hear the word of the Lord in his bed. He doesn't all of a sudden hear the voice of God and he's wandering in the wilderness. No, he has a vision and he sees a heavenly instance, right? And then we see the same vision John has that kind of corroborates the vision that Isaiah had in Revelation. He says, I saw the, the Lord high and lifted up. And if you look in Revelation chapter 3, John's having a supernatural vision of the Father seated in the heavenlies with this angelic host and this praise and worship going back and forth. And John gets a little bit more of a vision of some of the things that are happening. Um, Isaiah interacts with an angel. The, the angel takes some tongs and grabs a coal and touches his lips and says, you're clean. I mean, just think about some of that. You know, just all these different ways that the Lord's revealing himself to people. There's no one set way. Our God is beyond limits with the way that he wants to reveal himself to people. Amen. I get excited about it. So, again, that position, that heart attitude, here I am. Speak, your servant's listening. What do you have to say? What is your heart's desire? Uh, what is my purpose? So, um, one last place, Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. This is Jesus to Saul. So, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. So here we have, again, an invisible God. Jesus ascended. He, he's already ascended. He's already sent the Holy Spirit, but then here he is back on earth as this flash of light, and he's there in front of Saul. And so Saul falls to the ground. He hears a voice say to him, he hears the voice of Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus speak out of nowhere after a flash from heaven. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so then he says, who are you, Lord? And Saul asks, and he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then Jesus tells him, get up and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. So we get divine intervention. We get a, an, an immovable force hit by a, a, a greater opposing force knocking Saul onto the ground and shifting tra the trajectory of his life. And it's this beautiful instance of the Lord breaking into Saul's life and... Again, filling him with his presence. We know that Saul's baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. And then he's given purpose and journey. And he's called to go preach the gospel and to plant churches and to do all these, excuse me, all these different things. And let me just tell you that I believe that this is... Um, this is what God is still doing with us today. By his spirit, he's revealing people to, revealing himself to people and calling us into relationship, calling us into intimacy, but also calling us into mission, right? It, there's always a purpose. If you look at each and every one of those instances, even the Isaiah instance, 
God's saying, who will go for me? Isaiah says, here I am. And he says, okay, I'm going to send you to a hard-headed people, and here's what's going to happen. The Lord always has a plan for the reason that he's breaking into our lives and revealing himself to us. And it's not just so that we can be on mission, but it's number one, so that we can know the creator of the universe. It's so that the invisible God can be made known to us by this supernatural relationship. And this is just one of the things that, that I feel like maybe we've limited. Maybe we've limited the way that God reveals himself to people. Maybe we've limited the way that God speaks to people. Maybe we've limited God to the way that he interacts with his creation. Maybe we've limited God by thinking that he doesn't interact with people this way anymore. But again, I mean, if you look at these these instances and then you shut the book and then you say, okay, how does God reveal himself to people? However he wants, really. <laughs> and it's usually in some kind of crazy supernatural way, whether it's a dream or a vision, or it's a voice from heaven, or it's a flash of light, or it's a, a vision of heaven, or a burning bush. I mean, it's it's whatever he wants, right? Like, that's what I'm trying to get us to understand, that this is the God that we serve. And it's so wonderful for me. That takes the shackles off of my mind to just say, man, that's awesome. You know, oh, the Lord spoke to you and he told you to do this, man, that's great. You know, that lines up with pretty much everything he's done with anybody in the scripture, right? He's revealed himself to him and then he gave, gave him a purpose, right? So I just want to kind of nail that home. And so um, the character of God, it's, it's just within his nature to reveal himself in supernatural ways by supernatural means. And so I would just challenge us to kind of see him in that light. And so just the last thing, on that PDF you guys have is this list of miracles. And I would just challenge you to go read those list of miracles. It's not uh, extensive by any means. It's not exhaustive, excuse me, an exhaustive list, but it's a list of miracles. And so if you go read the miracles in the Old Testament, go read all the miracles in the New Testament, you'll kind of see that there's a theme of the supernatural intervention into the lives of, of man, um, but it's not always the same. And so the trajectory all throughout scripture, the precedence that's set um, is that God is just doing what God does. And it's in his nature to do things a little differently than before, but all with the same purpose. And so just to kind of take the shackles off of our heart and mind to say, man, God truly is capable of anything. And uh, he's good to do what he sees as, uh, as right and righteous according to his will. 